This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hi, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod with Maxwell Vogue. How you doing, Max? I'm great, Joris. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I had a, I wrote a really good post the other day. I'm really, really happy with it. It's about uh, uh, RIP, RIP 3D printing. Ooh. And uh, and really, really inspired and, and really, really jazzed up and excited. I haven't been this excited about our technology in a couple of years. So I'm really, really, really excited. So good. Neat. Mm. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna. Uh, I've really decided I'm gonna try and make some new applications and make some and make parts, sell things rather than PowerPoint <laughs> presentations. So, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna try and tell, take a, a lot of people with me and try and see if we can all do this. And I think that's the future. So, so I'm, 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 I'm like over the moon. I'm jazzed up. I'm really, really happy. So, yeah, good. How about that's you? Cool. I'm good. I just actually came from a show here in New York City, uh, yeah. for largely focused on the blind, and there's actually a number of applications that we see additive popping up um kind okay. of tangentially to it which is very fun so yeah but, but you're there with the pens right so the i'm there with the, the three doodlers so that because you can write uh, with our low temperature pens the you can write and create a raised line and feel it and you're not going to burn yourself at the same time but i see other people doing 3d prints for like labeling and braille and we see people making structures to be tactile aids and things of that nature that are are just coming straight out of a, a standard desktop printer okay that's cool that's i like the idea of like trying to like in a kind of temporary space or something like that like in a doctor's office you could make some signs right. or some things or something. Exactly. I like that very much emergency exits or something yeah. like that as well like you can draw those to make them tactile children's books uh yeah it's a lot of fun and so we we enjoy uh working working with that community a lot but so who do we have on the 3D pod today? Yeah, so today on the 3D pod, uh, I've got uh, Hylos. And Hylos is a company that uh, is going to, wants to transform the way we make shoes. Uh, it's like essentially a platform that wants to enable uh, and let other brands make footwear and maybe even other things beyond that using additive manufacturing and uh, a bunch of other stuff uh, besides. And uh, I think that's it's a very exciting thing. It's a very exciting kind of vision and it's very different than some of the other people that are working in shoes have been thinking about that. And we've got, uh, Hilo's CEO, uh, Elias Stahl with us. And, uh, yeah, he used to be the VP of product at Handshake. Uh, was in the Israeli special forces and stuff like that. And lots of interesting, very different things. And now he's going to try and, uh, bring this company to, uh, yeah, to fruition. So, uh, welcome to the show, uh, Elias. Thanks for having me. Great to meet you both. Um, so, so first off, um, how did you guys get started with, is it Helos? Am I saying that correctly? Cause I like, it's high loss. Yeah, oh, high loss. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, how, how did that, how did that get started? First was introduced to the technology at a New York fashion tech week in uh, 2018. And at the time I was VP of product for a company called handshake and we're working with, uh, fortune 50 supply chain companies, think Caterpillar, BMW, about changing their core business models to have greater impact. So for instance, is BMW a car company or are they a mobility company? And what are ways that they can begin impacting something broader than just cars? BMW is a tire company because for every car they sell, they sell four tires. So (laughs) I should should get rid of everything. Five. Stick to the tires. 
You're getting the, the spare tire in the in the trunk. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. five. Yeah, exactly. So it's five. So, so the core well, business is actually tires. <laughs> and shoes are kind of like the tires for us. So it's a great business to be in. So while there, we're working with incredibly smart, well-capitalized, and well-intentioned executive teams. And I saw how hard it was for them to change the core of their business, which is you know the dirty business of making things. Manufacturing is built around century-old supply chain that is no longer meeting us where we are today. It's, it's breaking and it's failing us. And that's not going to change from within a company. So that's where the, the impetus for Hilos began. It's building a, complete, a technology for the next global supply chain that allows really large established companies to be able to move the way they think about bringing product to life into the future. So wait, you're doing shoes now, but you want to do everything, or is that is that is that kind of what you guys are doing? Or on-demand zero-waste supply chains are really good for a host of different. I would call them high mix, high volume, kind of long tail product categories. So anything that has a lot of styles or skews. I think fashion is and footwear is kind of ground zero for this. There's a lot of overproduction and waste because you don't know what size is going to sell. You don't know what colorway is going to be a hit. If I was in the toothbrush business, I would make one toothbrush and I would make a million of them and I would do that in the most efficient place to make that toothbrush. So there's going to be a split in global manufacturing and toothbrushes and tin cups, we're always going to mass manufacture and we're going to mass manufacture them in the most efficient place. But there's a host of industries that are built on overproduction and waste where technologies like 3D printing can create a completely new agile on-demand supply chain. So I don't think 3D printing, 3D printing is taking over everything, but I think it's going to completely change the way we think about footwear, apparel, and every other long tail product category that is built around personalization in the human body. And then do you envision it like, I mean, I get exactly what you're saying. We have a zero waste system. You're printing basically on demand, but are, are you envisioning us like a, uh, let's take a company, it's Zara. Right, they want new fashion stuff constantly. Are you envisioning that you're putting these device, you're putting printers into a localized warehouse system within their supply chain, essentially, or are they doing it in every city or doing it in every country? I guess, like, how how granular do you get in your vision of this? The benefits of additive manufacturing is that you can localize it, and that's where the costs actually begin to make sense. So, if you're in footwear and apparel, if you're Zara then you are dependent on a network of manufacturers overseas. And even if you're the fastest and you're at Zara level speed, you're still waiting 30, 60 days to get something, seeing if it hits and then re-upping it. The way that Shane has been able to outmaneuver even Zara is because they're going from factory to direct to customer. I think that is going is what 3D printing can deliver for footwear, which is more complex than apparel to make. But completely localized so you can make product only after a customer orders and get it as fast as you would if it was made three or six months in advance. Yeah, but wait, about Zara a bit, because like Zara does new style to store in 14 days, right? And re-up in three, right? In yeah. Europe. So that's already really fast. But I think it's really exciting that they've outcompeted everyone and there's really a future there. And you see the same kind of thing you see, is that your central mechanism? You're going to see that's how you're going to like lean on these guys. Say, like we're going to work here and then we're going to outcompete these guys and then we're going to grow the business, et cetera, incrementally. Is that the idea? Or? Well, we're not a consumer brand ourselves. So we don't want to make product and directly market that to the customer. 
we're building the technology for every brand to be able to be as efficient, as fast to market, and as untied to inventory and the waste that that encompasses as a Zara times three. Okay, okay. that's super exciting. It's a really exciting uh, vision. But the thing is, you automatically bring in the Shein company, right? And they they just go in and they take pictures of something they don't actually own, right? <laughs> they put it on the website, people give them money, and then Shein buys it and ships it to these people. Like, how are you even going to be faster than they, you know? Well, this is where the distinction between uh, clothing and footwear is really important. Uh, clothing is pretty easy to speed up, right? You can make something that works pretty well in a couple of weeks. Footwear is really complicated. It takes a brand 12 to 24 months to go from an idea to a store with a new footwear concept. If it's an innovation concept, as in a new way to put a shoe together, then that's three to five years, right? I mean, Nike is uh, famous for having their innovation groups are based on time horizons. So they'll have, you know, the next two years, the next three years, the next five years. Sorry, but is part of this timeline dictated by, you know, I, I need tooling in order to do it. And therefore the cost of the tooling, the side of the tooling and the standard production methods are what's slowing us down. Because the way it sounds like shoes are similar to any physical product that is an injection molding based product and that it takes a long time to bring it to market. Is that a hundred percent? It's opening okay. mold, it's tooling, <laughs> yeah, integration exactly. of hard and soft goods into a durable product that has to protect your foot while coming into ground contact. So shoes have to be a lot stronger, better made and are more complex and tooling is critical in that. So the entire footwear industry is built around high minimums that are amortized across tooling. If you want to make something, you're committing five, you know, you have to make 5,000 pair. If you go to even Portugal or Spain, um, you're using existing tooling and you're still committing to a couple hundred pair at a time. And then it's going on the water and you're getting it, you know, 60, 90 days from when you order it at the fastest. So footwear is slower. It's also the, I, I like to call it the black sheep of the apparel family. It's lower margin. There's, we make 24 billion shoes every year. One out of five goes straight to the landfill. There's 20% overproduction across the board. So what we might not realize is when we go into a store and we're buying a shirt or a pair of shoes, we're not just paying for the material and the labor and the design and the development that went into that product. We're paying for all of its cousins that aren't going to sell. We're paying for the 70% of material that's staying on the factory floor in cuttings. We're paying for the molding and amortized into every shoe. And so it's a really inefficient and very old supply chain that 3D printing can completely reinvent, which is why there's so many people that have seen 3D printing and footwear as just natural partners. Tell us a little bit, because this wasteful thing is, I think, a little bit new to a lot of people. I mean, I didn't know it was that much, actually. I knew that there was yeah, a lot of stuff going insane. wasted, but that it was just so many pairs of shoes that were wasted. That's insane. It is. And there's no, I mean, there's no way to reset. Only less than 5% of shoes today are recycled at end of life. I've heard it's closer to 1%. Um, so this is a massive amount of landfill. And there's nothing more wasteful than making something that you don't need, sending it across the world, and then to put it into another landfill. And that's what we're doing. When you're driving to work, picture all those trucks that are you know, driving from fulfillment centers to distribution centers, from ports to boats, and they're all moving things that we don't yet know people really want. No, especially on that, when it comes to like apparel and shoes, as you're saying, the sizing is also such a nightmare on top of it all, because you have to have 20 SKUs or something like that for, you know, 
size 10 and all the way to size whatever, 12, 14, or sorry, size three or something and all the way up. And so it creates even more waste. But I also didn't realize just how much was left on the cutting floor in the, in the actual manufacturing process of the shoes as well. Because that's also very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ma- making things is hard. And there's a lot of waste that goes with it. And it's incredible how even incremental shifts can have huge impact. We did a case study with Yale University that looked at one of the shoes we launched with a brand called Helm out of Austin. And we compared it to a legacy style that was similar in material and labor and was launched by Veja. And we saw that across the board, we cut carbon in half and water usage by 99%. But what was most interesting was the relative weight of making on demand, making more efficiently, and then taking back an end of life for recycling. And by far the most impact was on making less to begin with and making more efficiently. And as you know, 3D printing, at least uh, we use powder-based 3D printing. So we use a HP's MJF technology. That is a zero waste process where we're able to take any powder that isn't centered and recycle it into the next product. So we have 80% recycled content in everything we do. And we use a TPU that's 100% recyclable. And we focus on 3D knitting. So we have zero waste in the upper as well as when we do use leather, leathers that can be recycled. So the scraps can be completely recycled. So we saw that recycling, which it gets a lot of press and a lot of people like the idea of recycling with a hundred percent take back rate, that was only a 7% drop in carbon. And that's because of all the energy it takes to keep shipping things back and forth and reprocess. By far the biggest thing you can do for the planet is make less to begin with and make more efficiently. Just yeah. not as sexy a tagline, right? For the customer. No, it's not. I know. And, and like, I wish we all wish recycling was like a better system. It's not. <laughs> you're right it's the one you have control over so that and that's right. important too right yeah but fundamentally if we just made less waste to begin with you're right then that would have a much bigger impact at the end of the day um, and that's ultimately the vision of hilos i don't think as human beings we're ever going to stop creating we're always going to imagine new amazing things but we need to build a creative economy without waste and that is fundamentally retooling how we imagine and bring to life. And that's the true power of additive manufacturing. That's what it can deliver for us. So you're starting with these shoes. Can I go and buy these shoes right now? <laughs> yes. So we have, uh, we launched our own lines initially, and we've now moved into working with a lot of other brands that will be launching their own lines. Helm Boots, I mentioned, launched their lines in uh, 21, I think. Uh, so they were the first partner off the platform. And we'll be announcing some exciting upcoming launches starting at Art Basel this December. These look like regular shoes or are these looking more artistic than that? <laughs> more stylish, I suppose, because well, so of let, the fact let, that let, they're Let me ask each of you, what, when I say 3D printed footwear, 3D printed shoes, what do you think of? I think of a solid piece of plastic, <laughs> a solid piece of TPU that you slip over your foot. Yeah, yeah, the, the TPU sock. We like yeah. to call that the, the jet ski look where it's not quite a shoe. It's more, you know, something else. But, like a boot. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and have you tried any of those on? Have you worn any of those? I have worn a lot of those, dude. It's like a shoe. It's like a foot sauna. It's awesome. Like if you want to lose weight with your feet. And <laughs> oh, just, yeah. <laughs> you just slide around all day. That's fucking amazing. It's like. And then you make these nice little squeaky noises. 
Oh, it's like a croc you. almost, right? Quick, <laughs> you, getting, you're getting everyone really excited about 3D printed shoes, but it's <laughs> <right>? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god! How I'm do like, you make them better? <laughs> oh, by the way, no, no, I got to try the Brook shoe, which is also an HP made shoe, and that was the first time that it's actually been. I've been in a shoe that I was like, um, okay, I could buy this. Please, can I buy it? And that was actually really comfortable. That's the first time uh, I tried one that I was like, okay, this is actually works as a shoe. But that had like midsole is a MGF and the upper is a knit. So that's a, that's a bit, that's to me the where it's going or where it's going at least in the near, the near, near term for the biggest volume. Yeah. So that's, a, I mean, that's a great point. Let's talk about that because have anyone, has anyone tried the Adidas 4D, which is a very similar approach to 3D printed 4? Yeah, the, well, I've tried all the generations of them. They're they're changing all the time, right? So the, the, the I tested them. I sent them to labs to get tested and stuff like that. Mass spec it, everything. Yeah, <laughs> we destroyed a lot of those, man. Uh, so so yeah, so, so so those are. I didn't think they were comfortable. The latest generation is actually a lot better than the first one. For example, there's two schools of thought with 3D printing right now. I'll start by saying the industry hasn't yet done a good job of define, defining why. Why should you as a customer buy a 3D printed shoe? We're talking about supply chain. I, it, no brainer for the brand, right? There's a lot of speed and efficiency, inventory risk that they can wipe off the books. But why should you as a customer care? I mean, if you're putting a story around it, like you could do like the Allbirds tile story of like, oh, it's upcycled, it's safe, but that's not doing particularly well for them right yeah. now. <laughs> I, think, I, I think for me, the, the story that makes the most sense is not one we can deliver on now. And that's to me is at every voxel, we can control the properties of that voxel to make you a unique walking experience that'll make you have less fatigue. It'll make you uh, more comfortable and it'll make you, given your environment where you walk, uh, you know, feel better at the end of the day. And that to me is, is the unique thing we can do somewhere in the future. Right. And then, yeah, we can do it with little waste and we can do it with, uh, you know, your exact size and stuff like that. But to me, that voxel level control of the whole soul, that to me is something we can do that no other technology could do. Cause like, if you're really comparing us, like, you know, what does 3d printing can do? Yeah. No, we haven't sold ourselves well as a technology, but also most of the stuff the soul can do besides look cool, lattice like you can just do with like just a mill, a mill or lathe, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, what's the point? But theoretically, you should be able to improve your performance by using 3D printed shoes, right? Like we should be able yeah, to better return, energy you know, return, jump, yeah. right? Yeah, jump, jump higher, run faster, so forth and so on. So that to me, that would be the more long term like, oh, I've got to get those because they'll make me go faster if I'm a runner or if I'm a basketball player, it makes me jump higher. Comfort and performance, I think, super critical. And like you said, right now, theoretical. And that is a real big problem if you want to scale 3D printed footwear. And if there needs to be a compelling why to the customer, because ultimately, if the product isn't better for the customer, it's always going to be a curiosity. And that's where Adidas struggled, right? Where they would launch 4D for the sake of innovation. And God bless them too, because it's hard. You've got to dare and you've got to try something. You've got to take risks. And they did. And they deserve praise for that. But the thinking of printing a midsole and then using cement construction, basically the old way of making shoes over that means that you're just getting a more expensive midsole and you're putting all your effort into making a printed midsole compete with an EVA midsole, which is lighter and has 50 years of chemical engineering behind it. So it's just, and it's always getting better too. So 
that's one way to run it, to think about it. You could, you can say, and this is what's a natural way for the industry to think about it because the industry thinks very much in, in siloed material, like, oh, well, these are all the materials that it takes to put a shoe together. Which one can we 3D print? And that's what I would call the first wave of 3D printing. That was naturally the approach. And the industries that took off with 3D printing back in the teens were the ones where you could take a traditional way of manufacturing and just translate that part to a 3D printing, to do a 3D printed part and it would work. So like dentistry, aerospace, easy, right? There was, you didn't have to redesign anything. You could just carry it over. But now we find ourselves in the second wave, I would argue, where the industry is understanding that we have to reinvent how something is made to take advantage of the technology properly. And that's what Hilos is most focused on. I would argue that on the one hand, you have a 3D printed industry that says, let's 3D print a midsole and cement construct it. And then you're not getting any of the benefits of an on-demand product creation system. You're not reducing labor. You're just making a more expensive midsole. And on the other hand, you've got these 3D printed mono material shoes, the, the sock shoes, right? And what, there are issues with that, right? With durability, with comfort, with breathability, um, and with aesthetic, because ultimately you want shoes that you can feel great in all day, every occasion. You know, you want sneakers and mules and clogs, and you want every kind of shoe to be 3D printed, not just one kind. And so that's where Hilo's differentiates and really focuses on a distinct offering outside of those two. We believe that 3D printing lives up to its potential when you can blend technology with craftsmanship and when you can incorporate leather and when you can incorporate knit, but you can change the way shoes are made with 3D printing so that it's made with fewer parts, with less labor, so that it is more comfortable, so that's more durable, so that you can have a better ride, you can look better doing it, and it doesn't look like something out of 2049. It looks like what you're used to, but a little bit better. And that's, I think, the promise of where 3D printing can take us. The whole, but it, you still need a person for part of that, right? In order to transfer it from one machine to the next machine. I know we have 3D printing knitters and we have 3D printing machines and all that. But do you envision it being a totally automated process, I guess, in the long run? Or is that the, styles, the goal, I should say? <laughs> some styles can be completely automated, but some styles will never be fully automated. And I think that's a good thing. I think having a craftsperson always be, I, I would call this the advent of mass craftsmanship, where instead of having warehouses of Americans sorting cheaply made goods from East Asia into bins and those bins being sorted into boxes to be shipped to your home through an e-commerce site, we have small craft, we have, we have small, um, I'm trying to think, how, we call ours a studio, but we essentially have maker studios in we're in Old Town Portland, which is a kind of rundown inner city old manufacturing space. And we're intending to rejuvenate this entire neighborhood with small scale, high mix manufacturing using 3D printing. And if you've ever made anything before, you know that the most satisfying part of making something is finishing it, it's completing it, putting it in that box. And so that's what 3D printing, the way that we make shoes allows a craftsperson to do. You already have the uppers, you have the bottoms, and you're able to put it together with an element of craftsmanship in very low labor, but with the human touch. And that allows footwear to be made in the US again. That brings craft back to this industry. That makes better product. It allows you to scale it, but it does it in a way where you're not intending to remove the human hand. You're, you're celebrating it. You're celebrating the fusion 
of technology with craft. Very compelling. So how does it work? Am I, can I just come to you and say, hey, I'd like 400 pairs of shoes or do I come to you? How, how, what, what is your ideal yeah, customer? You how would it work? What? So uh, brands that work with us are coming from one of two directions. There are brands that really want to explore new design languages that, that are only possible with 3D printing. And we have completely new ways to think about material creation and upper treatments and tooling ability that allow a brand to create their own iconic universe for how this technology is, defines their brand and new styles, new capsules. And then there are brands that just want to be able to make product more sustainably, faster, more efficiently. And that's also really important. So those two partners engage with us differently. We're a lot more of a, a design studio and innovation partner with the former. And we allow them, we sometimes build custom design ecosystems around a universal product that they're looking for. And we're able to create essentially software toolkits that allows their designers to move very quickly from an idea to a concept, a concept to a launch. And on the other end, we have a very easy approachable offering for brands that just want to be able to launch product faster, brands that have never been in footwear before maybe and want to get into it and know that they don't want to open tooling or commit to 5,000. And that becomes a very accelerated process if they know what they want. And we have a huge library of capabilities for them to choose from. Uh, and then once a brand launches with Hilo's, we allow them to move from a bulk order to an on-demand order and, and restock system. So once you've tried an idea out, let's say you're a new brand and you want to launch three new styles. Well, normally you'd have to open tooling for each style. With us, you can have three different styles and you're still priced at the overall volume of all of those together. So you're able to really grow across a diversity of SKUs without having to pay for each SKU like you normally would. And once you launch and you understand what the demand is from your customers, that's not a product that's frozen in time. You can change it. You can iterate it. You can allow the product to evolve and get closer to the customer and engage with them in a new way. And once you've really hit something that you know you want to scale into an on-demand offering, we're able to take an order and turn it around within 72 hours, click to ship, factory, direct to customer. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah. And then, so I'm, I'm a 3D printing service bureau. I've got a couple of uh, MGF systems. I'm like, I'll do this. You know what I mean? I'm, I've got some designers of... You know, Jane, the designer, got Tim, the engineer. We can do this. So what's the thing that you that sets you apart from, let's say, some 3D printing players? Is that the integration part? or There's two things that you really need to know to be able to do this. First, you need to know not just 3D printing, but you need to know footwear. And that's something that the industry has been missing up until now. I think it's beginning to get better, but there hasn't been enough space for footwear and 3D printing to come together and both become experts together rather than... 3D printing to try and just do something easy off the shelf or footwear to try and print a midsole. That's, what, that's why you're seeing the industry the way it is. Secondly, you have to really rethink how shoes are made. And Hylos has developed, invented, and patented completely new methods of make for footwear that are specifically adapted for 3D printing. And ultimately, those are bets on the best way that we're going to make shoes in the future. And that is what's going to prevent a service bureau from trying to imitate any of what we're doing. The, the third is, I'll just say it's hard to scale 3D printing for manufacturing and with footwear. It's really hard to 
as a 3D printer scale into thousands and tens of thousands of units. And it's even harder to then take those and make them into finished shoes without knowing how to make shoes. Okay, okay. That, that, that sounds good. And then, but then how can you scale it? Because are you going to do this manufacturing yourself or are you going to actually do some of this yourself or do you have partners for everything or, or, or you know, how light are you guys outside? Uh, we have a printing partner that has first rights to all demand across the Hilos platform. So our printing partner is the most scaled 3D printing partner um, in North America. And they have very experienced when it comes to high volume production. So they've been fantastic. Um, and then we have a network of assembly partners, um, and those are the shoemaking factories that are able to work specifically with the way that we assemble footwear. Why did you choose for MGF, by the way? Is, it, is there a particular reason? Did it, did, was it a cost thing? Did you like the materials better? What was the reason for picking this over, let's say, centering just generally? Uh, same reason probably why you have some MJFs in your printing bureau, right? Um, there are These are the workhorses of powder bed. I mean, they're... If you want something that's reliable and can reach production volume, right now HP has that. Uh, we haven't seen anyone that has yet been able to take that crown. The moment the 5200 came out and TPO01 came out from BASF, we saw there was a great combination to begin working from. Uh, now, that said, the industry is quickly moving and continuing to grow, and there's some really great systems coming out, and every company has to continuously iterate and improve their offering to stay relevant. So. HP is top of the heap now and in terms of actual scaled volume, uh, but there's a lot of great companies that are working on getting there and surpassing their ability. And then in terms of the 3D printing thing, I mean, are you wedded to this technology or are you just like, you know, we're a 3D printing podcast, so you're totally talking about this to us. But, you know, if you'd be on a laser cutting podcast, you talk about, you know what I mean? How, how wedded are you to 3D printing? Is it a key technology for you or you're like, yeah, we're doing it now because it kind of could be important, but, you know, we're really into this knitting much more so, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would. The two fundamental things about Hilos is we are focused on on-demand, zero-waste product, and those are our north stars. Everything we use and everything we're building into our tech stack is to get more on-demand, so faster throughput, and then with less waste. 3D printing is a very compelling tool for that, but it's not the only tool. It is, I'd say, the foundation upon which other 3D knit, generative design. The ability to take a design digitally and move it through to fabrication is what's most important there without opening molds or tooling. So additive manufacturing writ large is, I think, fundamental to the business. Okay, okay. that's interesting. Yeah, I think, I think, and, and do you think, it, like, are you, is comfort a big driver for you as well? Do you think you can get that advanced functionality? We kind of talked about that, like, stuff we wanted. Is that something you're going to be developing as well? Are you going to come up with, like, you know, the new Nike Air Max, that kind of stuff? Is that going to be stuff you're going to drop in on, on uh, uh, or do you see that kind of creativity and that kind of long-term development come from your customers? Oh, 100%. We, we haven't released any of what we've been working on for the past nine months yet. Uh, but you're going to see a completely new level of comfort and of design and of performance. It's fundamentally people buy shoes for three reasons, right? Looks good, feels good, cost is right. And you've got to at all times at least deliver two of those three. You know, maybe someone will put up with a less comfortable ride if it looks really good. Maybe if it's really comfortable and the price is right, they'll, they'll put up with a more basic shoe. But you've got to be able to make 3D printed footwear that is exceptional from the moment you step into it. And that's really what we're focusing on. We call that meticulous artistry. It's one of our four pillars. 
Okay, okay. And then and then the interesting thing to me is that, of course, you're not going to be, are, is your name going to be on that shoe? Is it going to be like Vibram or something like that, where it's going to say, buy, he lost it, or you know, a high loss, or is it in the marketing or, or not? It's definitely a part of the story. Uh, we are a technology brand that explains a lot of the provenance of why something looks or feels so different and so exceptional. I would, I would think of it very much like Intel has their, uh, their brand of technology. With like the Intel inside kind of thing going on the on a shoe, but with you guys instead. That's what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then and then another thing is like, okay, if we're looking at shoes now, it feels like everybody like there's a Celine, there's Celine sneakers, right? <laughs> Which I think is just is kind of borderline hysterical. Wait, like, like as it, in Celine Dion sneakers? No, no, no. Oh my god. Oh. Uh, no, <laughs> Sorry. No, just Celine clarify. is like no, no. But that that could maybe okay, wait, wait, actually, I say that, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they're also Celine Dion sneakers, but no, Celine's like this high-end brand. They make like $5,000 bags or something. It's really good that you don't know who they are. It's really good. Keep it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so all these luxury brands have sneakers. There's Hermes sneakers for thousands of dollars and stuff like that. And it seems like more and more people are wearing sneakers and the casual thing is is, is overtaking the world. Do you see that as, as a continuing trend or do you think it would be a, a shift back into more kind of neater shoes, let's say, if you will? The world of sport and fashion is completely blended, and I think that's here to stay. Okay, okay. But at the same time, your tech, you can produce, like, not just sneakers. You could make almost any kind of shoe at the end of the day, right? That's been our focus when we work on powder bed printing. Was we can do mules, clogs, heels, sneakers, boots, uh, and you've got to be able to do something that can hold up in ice and snow and... You've also got to do something that can go to the beach and get wet and be in the pool. So that's that's where three D printing goes mass. And then and then with regards to these partners, I mean, are are, are we thinking about like you know, you have one big three D printing partner? Is it the same for all the things? Do you have like one buckle partner, like a lace eyelet partner? Is it like one partner, or is it more like kind of this marketplace type approach where you've got like thirty people bidding on all sorts of stuff? Uh, it depends. I mean, generally materials. Yeah, you you generally have more than one source for them. I think that's important. And any manufacturing supply chain will, it's going to want to counter source everything. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> in terms of going forward, how do you see this immediate thing? So what's the immediate future for your, for your company? Because like, so, you know, you're going to be coming out with shoes. So there's some launch stuff that's going, we're going to be hearing about the coming months, right? Yeah. So I would, we have a, some big news that we're going to be announcing at uh, Art Basel this December in Miami I uh, encourage everyone to stay tuned for that. You're going to see a completely new capabilities and a new platform launching. And from there, we have a very busy uh, first start to next year. And you'll have to stay tuned for what that looks like when it comes to your favorite brands. Okay. And, and where do you hope to be if we're looking at like at a five-year time frame? Where do you hope to be in five years from now? Five years from now, if you're a creative, then you might be sketching it in AR. You might be exploring every iteration with it in mid-journey, and then you're working with Hilos to make it real. Okay, super ambitious there, Elias. So thank you so much for being here today on the show and talking about your vision and talking about the future of your company. Definitely. Well, thank you for having me and for being a part of what I have to say has always been an exceptional community of good, collaborative, well-meaning people that just want to change the world for the better. That's what I love about 3D printing. And, and that's also a big part of why it's taking off in footwear. Awesome. So thank you so much. And, and Max, thank you for being here once again. 
No, it's great to have a whole new perspective on, on footwear and its ability to take on a new attitude. Awesome. And thank you for listening. This is another episode of the 3D Pod, and you have a really great day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.